registered apprenticeship is a job. It is a job. It is a path to a career. It's more than the education. It is the it is having the employer lead. It's also working with with uh, the uh, workforce system, so local workforce boards, uh, working with disability providers, working with minority serving organizations. All of that is the universe that we're trying to help pull together so that we have diverse, equitable, inclusive apprenticeship programs that are, that are accessible. Welcome to Forward with NACI, Inspiring Entrepreneurial Action, a podcast that shares the stories of everyday entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial leaders, and the communities that support us. We hope that this diverse collection of stories brings you inspiration, inspires you to take action, and ignites entrepreneurship in your community as we make our way forward together. Welcome to this episode of Forward with NACI. We are celebrating National Apprenticeship Week and have a special guest with us today, Debbie Hopkins. She's got a a really interesting career that has a lot of different facets. So we're excited to jump into this week's episode. Debbie, welcome to our program. How are you doing today? Uh, Very, very well. Thank you very much for having me on your program. I appreciate it. Well, we're excited to have you here. And what we normally do here on Forward with NACI is begin the program by having our guests talk a little bit about their background and something that might have shaped the path that you're on today. Okay, well, um, first of all, I um, I began my professional career in human resources. I was the first employee of a new uh, company that opened in Virginia, and that gave me a good insight on human resources. All the rest of my career from that point was with uh, startups and medical device and high-tech companies, uh, both domestic and international, public, non-public, but primarily public. And that kind of led me into... um, the broader area of workforce development. And now I'm into uh, registered apprenticeship. See, I love that you began your career in human resources because, you know, my belief really is, and I think we realized this during the pandemic, is that really humans are our greatest resource. You know, you can always come up with new ideas, but you can't There are certain things that you can't do, even with artificial intelligence. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Workforce development is something uh, that, you know, everyone is talking about now from policymakers to uh, business owners and things like that. And for people that might not be familiar, why don't you describe a little bit about what apprenticeships are? Because I think people tend to have a, a perception of what they are. But my understanding from talking with you is that it's a much broader field. So, so tell us what the, tell us more about that. Absolutely. Well, first of all, it kind of depends on what perspective you're looking at, and if you look at it from a really uh, global, big picture perspective, it is a a culture, a talent development process, and really, um, really almost like a theology, if you want to say, to um, for businesses and employers to develop their own workforce, develop their own pipeline, uh, so that they can can really train uh, employees and educate them with uh, mentored on the job instruction. So registered apprenticeship has been around in the United States since the 30s, uh, and it's been it's existed as long back as long back as anybody can think of. In the United States, if you register your program, uh, then it has to follow certain requirements. It has to be paid. 
It has to have the uh, education, the theory behind what you're doing so you can understand why these elements are important. And then it has to have an outline of um, the tasks so you can gain competencies and have all that instructured mentored. Uh, wage increases with gained competency. And at the end, there's a nationally recognized uh, credential. So Debbie, give us a couple examples of the kinds of of work. I I love that term talent, but what kinds of of jobs? Um, Because I know we're going to dive in and talk a little bit about community colleges, which we both love, uh, and and how they can really help sort of unearth the talent and, and make the connection. Well, for historically and the way so many people think about apprenticeship now, the first thing they think of is trades. So many licensed occupations like carpenters, plumbers, electricians, beauticians, barbers, trades that are licensed are often registered apprenticeship trades. It goes hand in hand. You can go get your license and then start to work. Or you can start to work as a registered apprentice under the supervision of someone and start to work before you get your license. So that's how we've known it. But since 2015, the Department of Labor made a huge investment in the first investment into registered apprenticeship to try to expand it because the country has been since then, uh, in a crisis for certain occupations. And uh, very wisely, the Department of Labor wanted to steer away, uh, not steer away from, but add to the occupations uh, so that there were many more types of occupations that had this talent pipeline, uh, including cybersecurity, information technology, teachers, uh, graphic designers, actors, any job that you can think of that would require at least a year to be extremely competent in is going to be able to be apprenticed. And that is a revelation since 2015. That is really interesting. And I did not know that. So thank you for sharing that. And you talked about some of the, you know, open sort of areas of occupation. Now, is there kind of an age limit? You know, if we have a person maybe that's in a career right now and doesn't like it, or maybe you had a stay-at-home mom that, you know, spent many years at home, um, are there, are there entry points where people can get involved and they may not be, you know, in the 18 to 25 year category? Well, the wonderful thing about registered apprenticeship, when you consider that it is a structured training program designed to meet national standards for that occupation, it can be any age. It can start youth in high school. You can have someone 16 years old who wants to start as a youth apprentice. The oldest one I've seen was 70. You can have any, yes, you can have any age because we are a nation of a continuous learning you know, people want to learn. They uh, are not going to be in the same career likely for their whole lifetime. They're going to be in many different careers. So why not use a structured training program to learn a new career? So incumbent workers, which is the workforce term for someone, you know, who is, who is employed, the registered apprenticeship model can be used by uh, astute companies who want to retain their workforce and train and educate folks to go to a new occupation. So let's say that someone gets out of high school, maybe they take a few community college courses, and maybe they graduate, maybe they don't, and they're in, let's say, a desktop uh, support position. That could be apprenticed. They could also take that person and add the incremental education for them to be a cybersecurity professional. They could be a cybersecurity technician. And as an incumbent worker, they can get credit 
for the time that they already worked that is related. They can get credit for their um, education. So, um, so yes, it's very flexible. Once the programs are developed, it's very flexible. I hope people that are listening to this podcast might take it upon themselves to share that with people in their lives because we all know people that are unhappy in their careers. They might be in between careers. They may have been displaced or they're just looking to do something new and and maybe they haven't considered um, the apprenticeship path. And and really it's it's an accelerated way to get into in-demand jobs, which is is really exciting. Debbie, I want to go back a little bit because I think people might be interested in uh, the job that you have right now. And and I'd love for you to share a little bit about that, the work that that you do as a professional and what is a a day in the life of Debbie Hopkins like uh, at work? Yes, well, I am very glad that I had my experience as human resources executive prior to this uh, with most of my uh, my, um, experience in business because it really does help inform the current job that I'm in. Uh, And also I had managed apprenticeship grants before this in a local workforce board. So employer, local workforce board, uh, working with people with disabilities, all of these things kind of came together. So I work for a company called uh, Aption. They are an information solutions company. We have all sorts of federal contracts. One of the federal contracts is of workforce intermediary. So our contract with the Department of Labor is for a registered apprenticeship industry intermediary. This is a pretty new and very innovative uh, insert that Department of Labor has put between the educators, between employers, and the state and national apprenticeship system to make it easier to really be a conduit and facilitate apprenticeship. So because there's so many moving parts, it can be trying to help uh, help a, a, an established program uh, find more diverse candidates. It could be helping them to find more funding. Uh, it could be helping them add an occupation to their program. Uh, what often it, it is, is, a, is an employer or a community college or other group training group sponsor who wants to uh, hold the program and serve a group of employers to get started, to help you know, get some of the mystery out of this and figure out how they can put a program together. So this facilitation of the system is really working very well to have, have this intermediary who has the same end goal results as um, the nation for uh, talent uh, solutions. That's great. It, it kind of reminds me almost of a patient navigator um, or something like that, where you're in a very complex system. We all know things are changing all the time. So how do you keep up with all of these changes? Um, you know, I, I loved what you said about all of us being lifelong learners, regardless of how much education that we've had. Well, we are an, an industry intermediary, so we're primarily focused on the information technology and communications industry, cybersecurity. So we need to stay abreast of what's happening in the field, uh, try to connect with um, with trainers, uh, certification providers like um, ISC Squared is a, a certification provider for that industry. Many colleges are, um, are good to stay abreast on. But the partners, once we establish partners with a new or potentially new or existing um, uh, apprenticeship sponsors, that's that's what it's called when someone is responsible for putting their program together, then we work with them very closely and try to help them uh, achieve what they want to achieve. 
Our contract requirements are 750 new registered apprentices every year of a five-year contract. And in information technology, that's a lot, 750 new apprentices. So we are constantly uh, looking for leads, you know, looking for um, uh, who has attended our webinars, you know, who on LinkedIn uh, may, you know, may look like they have have an interest. Uh, referrals to referrals to referrals. So um, from the sales standpoint, I guess, if you want to call it that, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot behind the scenes in outreach and, and lead generation. So if someone listening to this or somebody maybe at a community college um, learns about what you're doing uh, and they want to get in touch with you, D- does the government pay for your services or do people actually come to you and they have to, to pay for these coaching services? How does that work? Well, our services are completely free as an intermediary. And in fact, we have $400,000 every year uh, for incentive funds to provide to Spartan, uh, to partners and sponsors to help start or grow apprenticeship programs. So we have incentive funding uh, to provide. Uh, for example, let's say for community colleges, community colleges as a whole are set up to be educators, which is one component of apprenticeship. If they are interested in being a sponsor, let's say, then we need to help facilitate them employer engagement because registered apprenticeship is a job. It is a job. It is a path to a career. It's more than the education. It is the it is having the employer lead. It's also working with with uh, the uh, workforce system. So local workforce boards, uh, working with disability providers, working with minority serving organizations. All of that is the universe that we're trying to help pull together so that we have diverse, equitable, inclusive apprenticeship programs that are are accessible. That's great. And I I think, you know, when you look at the unemployment rates for people with disabilities and and certain, you know, populations that maybe haven't graduated from college or experienced other barriers, it does seem like this is a great path. Now, one of the things that, that NACI, my organization, focuses on a lot is entrepreneurial mindset, as you know, and we've talked about that, you know, and, and entrepreneurial mindset, as, as we've discussed, is not just starting a business, but it's having sort of that growth mindset and seeing assets. So maybe Debbie, you could speak a little bit about how you think entrepreneurial mindset, growth mindset might help an individual and a company in the um, apprenticeship space. Well, I do um, completely believe and have, have always believed in that entrepreneurial mindset because that gives you your drive. It gives you your passion and you have to have that individually. So passion is implemented with a good plan. So since I was in high school, I've developed plans. You know, where do I want my own career to go? What do I what do I want it to look like? I always had, you know, five and 10 year plans, you know, felt very fulfilled when they were achieved. That entrepreneurial mindset uh, helps you not just accept what is, but look for what can be and try to keep connected to that bigger result that you're looking for. You're looking for impact. So, yes, yeah, so I'm managing a, a federal contract. I've managed numbers of uh, different grants before. And you can just click off the metrics or you can look at what is it that you're really trying to achieve. And I'm looking at this as a way to help our employers start and learn how to really create their own pipeline, because that gives opportunities for people. It opens up pathways for people with uh, who are underserved. 
It helps the businesses better control their business and develop a culture that is truly them. And it also helps safety because you have uh, repetitive. Um, once you decide that you, you put a plan in place, then you, you use the education and the training over and over again and then change it when you need to. But you can raise the level of uh, education and also uh, commitment to the job, retention. It is just such a tool for employers. And I'm, I'm just very passionate about trying to get that word out so they can take advantage of this way to improve the uh, talent development needs for their company. Yeah, it does seem like it is it is full circle and it is really all about opportunity. And that's a lot about what um, we at NACI spend a lot of time thinking about, writing about, and trying to encourage other people to see um, bird in hand assets. The other thing is I think for rural communities, you know, we want to try to retain talent there, right? Because there, you know, a lot of times people will go to a community college or university and then they leave. And, and so they, you know, you're losing that, that human capital. So would you speak a little bit about some of the apprenticeship opportunities in rural communities? Mm -hmm. Well, a couple of things there. First of all, I'll just take Virginia as an example. I just came back from a, from a conference for the rural Southwest uh, uh, rural Virginia summit and in there, they have banded together with all the economic development, the, the workforce boards, um, the government officials, and uh, have money appropriated from the state to bring uh, IT companies to that area. So that, that is one way to bring them. And it's through apprenticeship, using apprenticeship as a model. So the state will provide funding for uh, part, part of the wages. They will offset part of the wages for existing or new IT companies in the in the area. And most of the instruction is going to be from community colleges. So that's one way. Another way is that since the pandemic, which, you know, just kind of, it just kind of threw everything up in the air, you know, routines got thrown away. And that's been very hard for some people. But some of the advantages of that is remote work. So quite a few of our partners have national contracts, and they really don't care where you sit. You can learn, and you can learn your occupation. You can do if you can do your occupation at mostly at a at a desk, primarily. Then you can be employed in a rural area and work and be employed by a company uh, anywhere in the company. So that is a real advantage for rural areas. Uh, also, I, I do see. Uh, in many communities, the, especially in rural, there is a there is a pretty tight synergy in all of the working parts of the workforce system, the economic development, the local workforce boards, the schools, the disability providers, and so forth, and and that helps them come up and with uh, and brainstorm solutions. You know that helps them come up with solutions that will be longer term solutions, and they bind together for grant funding. There's so much funding out there to support apprenticeship now. There are state expansion grants. There are uh, H-1B uh, visa funded grants. There are intermediaries. There's a lot of help. And I don't know how long that's going to last. But a, a, a colleges, the state, regions need to make finding grants and funding from the government and foundations uh, and so forth a part of their everyday work. Otherwise, you're just letting that money go to waste. 
And once you get that, you can try something new. You can try a pilot that maybe your, uh, you know, the disciplines of your organization or requirements may be sort of limited. But with with an infusion of funding to implement a new idea, you get a chance to practice and see, you know, will that work? Explore that idea. And if it catches on, then you can make it sustainable. I love that. That really aligns a lot with how we at NACI do our work. We pilot and we learn from whatever it is, whether it's a success or a failure. There's really no failure when you're trying. You're, you're getting information. But I can see just from this brief conversation how critical your role is and how excited you are about it. And I really want to make sure that everyone who is listening and even our, our larger NACI community understand how can they learn more and how can they get in contact with you and your organization? Yes, well, there are there are 16 industry um, intermediaries. We happen to be IT communications and cyber. There's others, um, but we would be very happy, depending on, on the interest that someone has, um, apprenticeship at aption.com is kind of a general email, but they can certainly use uh, my email if you want to put it, you know, put it in the show notes, uh, Debbie with the Y dot Hopkins at aption.com. And, and we can, um, can figure out what it is they're looking for and, and get them to the right place. You know, whether it's with us or one of their, one of the other intermediaries or some other partner, we can, we can help, um, help set the direction to figure out, you know, how they can capitalize on what really is a, a terrific moment in time to to focus on how the nation wants to shift resources for for individuals into high demand, high paid, you know, terrific um, occupations that our country needs in order to stay uh, competitive and in cybersecurity area uh, in order to stay safe. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I've just, I mean, I've learned so much from you today and I'm, I'm really excited about that. I think um, there's just tremendous opportunity if you look for it. And I know people have natural skills and abilities that would lend themselves to, uh, you mentioned 16 <laughs> of you. Um, there's got to be a spot for everybody in there. So thank you so much, Debbie, for sharing your knowledge and your excitement about this area. And I hope that people will think about this and help us spread the word so that we can help people to align their talent with some of the opportunities. And I can't let it go without promoting National Apprenticeship Week. So National Apprenticeship Week in uh, 2022 is uh, the week of November 14th uh, through the 19th. And there, and on apprenticeship.gov, which is all resources for apprenticeship, really, there will be uh, dozens of events, including this podcast, as I understand, but there will be dozens of events and there could not be a better opportunity to learn more about apprenticeship than looking at the calendar and deciding which of those events you'd like to participate in. Thank you, Debbie. And thank you for everyone who's tuned in around the world to this podcast. Go look on the site and, and help us celebrate National Apprenticeship Week. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you will continue to explore the many ways to define entrepreneurship with NACI as we celebrate opportunity, failing forward, and success, learning from one another along the way. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and follow at NACI on social media and learn more about us at NACI.com forward slash podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode each week. We look forward to making our way forward together with you.
Have you heard the exciting news? NACI recently released a new publication titled The NACI Playbook, Volume 1, all about how entrepreneurial mindset sets the new standard for success in communities and colleges. The NACI Playbook digs into entrepreneurial mindset and how practicing leadership with this framework creates an agile culture with space to innovate, co-create, fail forward, and accelerate growth. Entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial leadership require us to lean in, anticipate and recognize trends, manage change, be resilient, take risks, reflect, and rest in the knowledge that anything is possible. Learn from our innovative, insightful, generous network who navigates both challenges and opportunities entrepreneurially as we share what we've learned and how you might apply their experience to your work. We hope you'll be as inspired as we were. Learn more at www.nacyplaybook.com.